Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 39 Idnes et Sa More commonly referred to as China Country After four more days of traveling without incident, the trees became smaller, the forest less dense, and the mountains began to smooth out to the point that traversing them was hardly an issue at all. For the most part, Dorothy and her fellow travelers were just happy to be alive. Their wounds were healing, though they were still sore. Well, Dorothy and the lion were still sore. Once Mr. got all stitched up, he began to feel better almost immediately. It was early afternoon on the fourth day, when the next obstacle presented itself. The trees had more or less vanished, save for a couple here and there, and now preventing any further advancement, they found a large white wall. It was beautiful in its detail, shiny and smooth, with intricate murals of flowers and people waltzing. There were even the occasional serene landscapes with horses and cows resting on the horizon. The imagery had a very down-home feel that made Dorothy miss Kansas more than ever. What the hell is this? Dorothy asked, annoyed at the thought of being barred from entering any part of Oz. She had come to think of herself as too important for such restrictions. Mr. opened his mouth and raised a hand, but quickly thought better of making a snide remark about the fact that it was a wall. Dorothy pulled the map from her backpack and began checking it over. It just says, Idnes et Sa. It doesn't say anything about a damned wall. Mr. looked up at it. It was far too tall for any of them to simply climb over, even if they climbed on top of each other. He looked right, and he looked left. I wonder how far it stretches. Probably farther than we can travel without getting lost. Map and compass are not, replied Dorothy as she looked up at the barrier once more. She placed a hand on its shiny, slick surface. It feels cold. I think it might be porcelain. I wonder what's on the other side. I don't know. But we'll find out soon enough, I'm sure. Her eyes locked onto a tree branch, possibly heavy enough to support her weight. It hung far enough to reach the wall, but low enough that it did not quite hang over the wall. Mister looked up as well. Whoa! Are you crazy? That's way too high to climb. More importantly, it's way too high to fall from. And besides, 
what if there's some kind of monster on the other side, just waiting to eat us or something? Walls exist for a reason, Dorothy. And sometimes it's better to not know what that reason is. Dorothy looked at him. She was hoping for a little more support this time around. She turned her eyes to the lion, who was crouching and getting ready to pounce a nearby bird. We don't exactly have a lot of options, mister. Well... Let me go first, then. Dorothy was shocked. You? You actually want to go first? Not really. But a fall won't kill me. I'll get to the other side, and if something doesn't eat me, you can climb over and use me for a soft landing if you need to. Dorothy smiled. How gentlemanly of you. She bowed her head and moved out of his way so he could climb the tree. Mister scaled the tree with ease and agility. He did, after all, have some experience climbing. Once he reached the branch he needed, he crawled the length of it until he got to the wall. He slowly stood up and placed his hands on the wall's cool ledge and lifted himself up for a quick peek over. What in Oz? he said. This is queer. He studied his findings for a minute of frustrating silence as Dorothy was anxiously awaiting a report. Dorothy, <laughs> you're not going to believe this. Well, not if you don't tell me, she yelled up at him. What is it? she asked, but it was too late. Mister was up and over the wall. Dorothy heard the soft thump of Mister landing on the other side, followed by the sound of his voice. I'm okay. Hop on over. It's amazing. Without hesitation, actually with giddy excitement and genuine curiosity, Dorothy climbed the tree. Once she got into a position that allowed her to see over the wall, she found herself taken aback by the sight as well. Eagerly, she jumped from the tree limb and clumsily fell from the ledge onto Mister's soft, straw-filled body. The lion joined them shortly after, though he did not need Mister to break his fall. Before them was a city, a tiny porcelain city. It was intricately designed and made of what appeared to be fine china. The colors were beautiful against the pristine, white, glossy sheen of porcelain. The houses rose only to Dorothy's head, and she could see over them with just a little help from the tips of her toes. People. Tiny people. Ceramic people. Wandered the streets. They stopped to look up at the travelers, some with fear and others with curiosity. I don't think they get a lot of visitors, said Mister, curiously looking around at the city himself. Dorothy watched as a tiny ceramic girl led a tiny ceramic cow through the city. I don't think so either. At least not 
big visitors, replied Mr. Hey, a small voice shouted from the streets below. Outsiders, run! Hundreds of little chattering footsteps flooded the city, coupled with cries of fear. A small clown hobbled by them. His paint was cracked, and he had chips all over his body. The small ceramic woman with her cow turned to run the other way as well. The cow mooed as one of its hooves chipped on the china pavement. It mooed even louder as its leg broke off completely. The woman turned and looked at it with pain in her eyes. She tried to let go, but was unable, as the two of them were a set. Pulling and dragging it along an inch or two, her arm finally gave way and broke from her body. She screamed and cried in agony as she fled from the visitors. It's okay, Dorothy said, trying to calm everyone down as the streets became a chaotic mess of porcelain figures, panicking and scurrying to safety. We're not here to hurt you. I promise. Her words fell on mostly deaf ears as the streets eventually cleared out, turning the city into a strangely silent ghost town. The only person left was a single porcelain girl standing in front of them. She looked like royalty. A long flowing gown of epic Victorian proportions adorned her small body. The gown moved like fabric, even though it was clearly ceramic like everything else. She had a naturally fair complexion and beautifully painted blonde hair that fell over her shoulders and reached down to the middle of her stomach and back. Tread lightly, she sternly said to the large visitors. I am warning you, tread lightly. I will not tolerate outsiders coming in and crushing my city anymore. We're not here to cause trouble, said Mr., trying to sound as innocent as possible. We're just passing through, said Dorothy. I promise, we're just passing through. The small queen walked up to Mr. and looked up. Well, pick me up so we can all have a face-to-face -face conversation. Mister was never one to refuse an order from a pretty girl, or royalty for that matter, and so he did as he was told. He carefully lifted her up and held her in the palm of his hand. She stood and looked at them all one by one, trying to figure out just what was going on with them. Where did you come from? she asked. She clearly meant business. Emerald, said Dorothy. We came from the green city of Emerald, in search of Glinda, the good witch of the south. The queen bit the inside of her cheeks and nodded, still looking untrusting at them. So I see... 
A quest from the wizard, no doubt. Dorothy and Mister exchanged glances. They kept forgetting that the world still saw Joseph as someone with powerful magic. Something like that, said Dorothy. I'm trying to get back to my home. Outside of Oz. Joseph, uh, the wizard, told me Glinda might be able to help. I'm sure she will, said the woman. Wouldn't want to keep her waiting now, would we? We? asked Dorothy. You, said the little woman. When I said we, I really meant you. Dorothy nodded. The tiny queen looked at Mr. You can send me down now. Mr. obeyed and gently returned her to the ground. Try not to break anything on your way out, said the queen as she turned and began walking away. Oh, and let's not tell anyone about this place. We have enough trouble from looky-loos as it is. Dorothy, Mr. and the lion looked at each other and silently agreed. It was best they leave as carefully and quietly as possible. They slowly made their way through the nearly empty streets, narrowly avoiding fragile buildings here and there. Mr. tripped at one point, nearly landing on a small family, but managed to catch himself before any damage was done. The family ran away in terror. Careful, whispered Dorothy loudly. We might have to come back through here, you know. Sorry, said Mr. My shoes don't afford me much traction. Just... Just be careful, sighed Dorothy. They managed to make it to the end of the city without crushing or breaking anyone or anything else. The other end of the city was nearly identical to where they entered. It had a large white wall meant to keep outsiders out and insiders in, though this wall was significantly lower than the other. It was low enough for the lion to simply jump over. Dorothy, however, needed a boost from Mr. Once on top of the wall herself, Dorothy reached a hand down for Mr. to grab hold of. He could reach her with ease and was light enough that she had no problem getting him pulled up to her level and out of the city. Once he rejoined Dorothy on top of the wall, he turned to get one possibly last look at the city. It was at this moment that he lost his footing. Falling on the wrong side of the wall, he landed on a large porcelain cathedral. The cathedral was delicately crafted, as all fine china is, and though Mr. was light and full of straw, his body still somehow managed to shatter it. Pieces of the cathedral lay strewn about the ground, limbs of those inside, seeking shelter from the giants outside, littered the rubble. Mr. stood up and worriedly looked around, 
the streets were still empty. He sighed with relief and looked back at Dorothy. Well, I guess we'd better get going now, huh? He said, reaching up. You think? Dorothy asked with aggravation filling her voice. She quickly lowered her hand for Mr. to grab once again. Suddenly, a loud chattering and tapping was heard throughout the city as a bell rang. ding a ling a ling a ling ding a ling a ling a ling Dorothy looked off in the distance. The streets began to fill as figures began pouring from the buildings, their small feet tapping on the ceramic ground beneath them. It got louder and louder, and before he knew it, Mister was completely overtaken by petite porcelain figures. Hundreds, if not thousands, climbed on him and pulled him to the ground. Dorothy could hear the sounds of his seams ripping. It was absolutely horrifying. She watched in terror as one group carried off his legs, another his arms, and another his head, screaming as his eyes slowly faded away. She looked back at the lion and waved for him to come back in and help. When she turned back around, the streets were nearly empty once more. Only a few porcelain figures that had been cracked and hobbled amid the turmoil remained. Where did they go? she asked as she jumped back into the city. They were just here. The lion joined her on the inside and sniffed around a little. The two of them wandered the empty streets for a few minutes, finding pieces of straw and hay here and there. Following the trail, they found themselves in a large open center of the city. Mister's dismembered body lay in pieces before them, around a large, beautifully crafted tree that rose into the sky, higher than the city walls themselves. Dorothy looked around for his head, but it was nowhere to be seen. We're sorry, she yelled out. We didn't mean any harm. You have to know that. I know you know that, her voice echoed. The queen stepped out onto a balcony that overlooked the messy remains of Mister in the center of town. She was still low enough that she was not quite eye-level with Dorothy. Your kind never means any harm, said the queen. But you cause it every time. Every time. Someone has to serve as the example. She looked up, and Dorothy's eyes followed. Above the city, Mister's head hung from the tree, for all outsiders and future travelers to see. Dorothy did not know what to say, as more figures cautiously came out of hiding, torches in their tiny hands. Dorothy watched them, waiting for them to start Mr. on fire. The lion stood still at Dorothy's side. You don't want to do this, she said calmly to the queen. I promise you, you do not want to do this. The queen looked at her, 
then at her loyal subjects, and nodded. Each of them threw their torches onto the pile, catching Mr.'s remains on fire. Dorothy and the lion quickly stomped it out. Dorothy grabbed the queen and held her tightly in her hand as she squirmed to get free. Let me go, she screamed. Let me go. The villagers pulled out knives and began attacking her as well as the lion, slicing and hacking, making fine cuts into her still lacerated legs from where the vines had attacked her previously. She screamed and kicked them away, some shattering, some managing to stay together, and some breaking only partially and hobbling toward her for more. The lion roared and crushed what he could beneath his comparatively massive paws. The ones that managed to avoid being crushed by his paws climbed onto him and hacked away furiously, sending tufts of fur into the air. He turned his head and sniffed at them, like a cat fighting off fleas. He shook violently, sending some but not all into the air. The sound of their fragile bodies shattering as they hit the ground sent shivers up Dorothy's spine. She continued kicking hordes of villagers away as she clenched her fists even tighter. Crunch! A small scream rang throughout the city, and the violence subsided as the villagers dropped their weapons and looked up at the giant. Dorothy stopped and looked at her hands. The queen was dead and broken into little pieces. Dorothy unclenched her fist, and the queen rained down on her loyal subjects, which immediately backed away, covering their mouths and gasping. Dorothy was at a loss for words. She did not mean to kill her. She did not even realize she was clenching her fists that tightly. Shards of the queen's body stuck in her hand, and some had even drawn blood. She pulled the pieces out and looked down at the villagers. At that moment, she realized something. They now feared her and would offer no more trouble. Now, she yelled. You know you cannot win. There is no use fighting, because you will not win. The villagers backed away. Dorothy looked at them, then at Mr.'s head. Now, get my friend down from there. They all obeyed the orders and cut Mr.'s head down. Not only did they drop his head but they collectively put him back together, in fear of more carnage. His eyes faded back as he was brought back to life. He slowly stood up and looked around. The ground was covered with shattered bodies and the head of the queen at his feet. Uh, what happened here? he asked groggily, looking at the queen's head. Dorothy looked at him. I'll tell you when we get to the other side of the wall. No more was said inside the city of Idnis Itza. 
and the villagers were left to mourn the loss of their queen and countless friends and families.